0: They so were cultivating the way into direct experience. The directness is felt, known, mm. felt, known. Clearly, the English words get tangled up because we tend to associate knowing very much with an amount of cerebral activity in words, and that's certainly one way of knowing. Very uh, has its uses. This is, uh, but it abstracts. It, it distills concepts out of actuality and organizes them. And this is the function of uh, manal, the mind that forms abstract objects, conceivable, and its activity is called manyati, uh conceiving. Mm. Uh, uh, and so, in this uh, first sutta, the Majima. Nikaya the Buddha says, Well let you know, the average uninstructed person conceives this, they conceive that, they conceive Nibbana, they conceive this, they conceive. Uh, and then the one who is in training, let them not conceive. <laughs> let them directly know. And then the adept is one who has directly known. And directly knowing comes from the stem word jhanati, which is not jhana. Jhana is uh, Slightly different word, absorption. This is janati, uh, uh, and that gets various emphatics tacked onto it, like pajanati. So, pa is an emphatic means really knowing, really getting it. And then, some pajanati is when you not only do you really get it, but you know you've really got it. <laughs> yeah, and so, then one's able to, Then you can. then you can actually consider, because ah. And then you can derive a concept that is actually pretty much on the mark. So concepts have their value. They help us to store uh, pieces. And so we're in a learning process. And as we get it, and we really get it, and then we go, hmm, this is what ill will is like. Got it. That's how it affects. That's what it does. Got it. Now be on watch for that. Now you know where the trigger is. Now you know what triggers it. Now you know that underneath all that mask of, you know, they shouldn't be this way and how dare they and this is my right. Oh, that's called ill will. (laughs) Because naturally the conceiving mind very much produces some object, doesn't go to the energy which is supporting that object. That's where it's it can be so deceptive because the manyati faculty is extremely capable and skilled and intricate and generating, as you all know, a tremendously um, you know poignant, rich and exciting and intricate realm of conceptual objects, um, and it's said you know this hoodwinks the citta um, the citta is hoodwinked by this it's uh, oh wow yeah. and because of this it runs through lifetimes pursuing this restless activity A process then is uh, like a real pajanity is a, is a simplification you're always getting to the simplicity the core and this process called careful attention, you only saw manasikara, you get the manas faculty, the mano faculty to turn around and inquire, wait a minute, what does that feel like, where does that come from, that opinion about yourself, hmm? that you just grab hold of immediately, and say immediately, could you just pause on that one, what's underneath that, you know, ill will. Maybe. Say, well, is it goodwill? No. Is it loving? No. What is it? Well, oh, I'm alright, I suppose. <laughs> that's called muffled ill will. It's not dripping into your heart anything that's loving, buoyant, uplifting. It's just the casual diminution. Yeah. Just pat, pat, put it down, put it down, put it down. Yeah. And so it's often these subtler diffusions and delusions and, uh, of such things as ill will, greed, possessiveness, uh, colonization, taking over, um, and of course just straight downright distraction and denial when we slide off the point. Mm. And so uh, the function of yawning so is to keep, like the customs inspector. What's in that bag? Just open it up, will you? Mm. And certainly, in, in that, this is not a tribunal. It's a sense of, you know, there may be a poison in here that we need to know about and, and remove. Mm. Like a skilled Physician. What do you, What are you unconsciously doing as a reflex that you don't even know you're doing? Because it's built into the program, the self-program, the personality program, the identity program. It's got built in there. Hmm? Through all kinds of uh, forces, some of them social, some of them parental, some of them karma. And bear in mind, it's not all karma. Hmm? It's not all something something you've done. It may be something, a domain or a dimension or, or a situation you've landed in which the volition and the opinions of others begin to mold your citta, shape it, give it pressure, push it forward, squeeze it, and uh, so on. So we're always recommending that we distill Mm-hmm. in, in our, our mental hardware our mental um, jungle down to simple simplicity of these ingredients and of course also here is the quality of aspiration here is the quality of goodwill here is the quality of, of persistence tenacity, resilience here is the quality of um, uh, you know wisdom so, this is that. This is the the approach in the Theravada um, or general Buddhist thing: is to lay out all these various properties and qualities, and then you highlight, you put careful attention and linger on and dwell in the skillful ones, and look at the unskillful ones, unhelpful ones, unproductive ones, redundant ones, irrelevant ones. with a, You don't need to put any energy into that, do you? You Just withdraw energy from it, let it wither. It's certainly, even that, it's not a hatred, aversion program, it's just don't put any more energy into that. And then these forms, these mental programs and proclivities, um, hindrances and... Defilements and so forth, which may seem so tenacious, are are made so by an unconscious giving of energy to them, mm. Mm. like some kind of parasite that uh, we allow and so to take over, withdrawing energy, mm, withdrawing interest. Uh, and placing energy and interest in what's skillful. This is called right effort. The three factors that are mentioned as as the essential uh, agents of the Eightfold Path, when you look at this, you'll find this in the Mahacatarisaka Sutta, Majjhima Nikaya, um, right view, right effort, right mindfulness. Sama and so on. Samawayama, sama and then Sama and clearly you can retranslate those. Some people like wise effort or wholesome effort, but samma is a sense of a fullness or a completeness to it. It's not partial, it's a very full. The full view, the complete view, the holistic view, the consummate view, Mm. which is not an opinion or a dogma, but the consummate view which covers all Dhammas. There is skillful, there is unskillful. There is the results of skillful actions and the results of unskillful actions. Mm. There's an inheritance mothers, fathers, an inheritance here. Mm. There are those beings who've realized liberation. There's a faith quality here. There's that which can be followed here. You know, on your own, absolutely. You have inheritance on a genealogical level. Good, bad, mixed. And you also have an inheritance on a dumber level. There are those who have realized there is a path, there is that which can be followed. This is consumer right view. And so what it's suggesting is, is you know, things are pretty fluid. We're not actually locked into anything, or we don't have to be locked into anything. There are these potentials for good and for skillful and so on and unskillful and the results of those. So obviously the very simple, simplistic um, theme is we'll just keep doing the skillful, highlighting the skillful and withdraw from the unskillful. Mm -hmm. Sounds simple enough, but naturally... Some of these uh, these forms get stuck. It's not so easy to uh, to to refrain from the unskillful. Might be able to refrain from the unskillful in terms of physical action, and yet one finds psychological unskillfulness still occurring, and sometimes not even knowing it's unskillful, like worry. Yeah. yeah. Over over responsibility, taking in more than you than is really appropriate, self obsessiveness, um, self criticism, perfectionism, uh, competitiveness, uh, just unbalanced energy, uh, un- unbalanced aims, um, can lead to unskillful results. And so, at the more refined level, we begin to uh, really. How do you know what's unskillful in terms of um, you know your standards your uh, uh, your aspirations when are you just being really unrealistic uh, uh, and creating impossible ideals hmm. When you're rushing forward too fast, you're not taking it slowly, you're not trusting a process, you're in a hurry. So you're, you're never really letting the process have its own momentum. Hmm. Or you're just getting stuck on some detail which, you know, you're trying to get an answer to something, you're looking in the wrong direction. You're trying to get an answer to something where there isn't an answer. It's the wrong question. You're asking why, why, why? And it should be how, (laughs) how does this happen? Not why does it happen? How does it happen? It happens when my mind focuses in this way and is not complete in that quality of faith, right energy, right mindfulness. So therefore the mind loses balance because certain factors are not present. And that's really the why of all of it, is like that. In terms of Dhamma. Now we can, of course, give historical reasons why we're this way or that way, and but there's no way in which we can undo history, personal history. So in this direct practice, we're saying, well, right now, you know, if I continue to if my chitta continues to to circulate amongst the unfortunate discordant qualities in my life, then result is I will amplify the effect of those discordant qualities. It's hardly that surprising. If I'm able my chitta is able to discern the blessed qualities and linger in those, I will it will amplify the qualities that are blessed and wholesome. And this is, you know, it's, it's pragmatic. Mm. Uh, you know, like it's saying, if you had to tidy up all the karma that's been created, you'd be here forever. It's like sweeping the beach clean of sand. It's just not going to happen. There's just so much. There's a point in which you have to say, look, you know, enough. <laughs> uh, I just don't want to keep you know, going through rights and wrongs all the time. Um, I don't, you know, uh, this is just the encouragement. So some things you may want to t- tidy up, you can tidy up your, how you are with your mother or your nephew or something other. Some of it, you just, the world is just too much of a tangled mess to, um, uh, just, just start doing the right. Do the good. Do the good. Do the good, and strengthen yourself in the good. Strengthen yourself in the good. When you have a retreat, strengthen yourself in the good, so that the despair and despond and all that will not take over. And as a result of this. So, the uh, to recognise that. You know, the result of this kind of careful attention and pruning and um, curating and and cultivating, and attuning means that the, the certain. It's not just that you know you get good and bad, but also you get stronger and you begin to initiate a process whereby the chitta itself becomes stronger and more assured. You could say the heart, you could say the spirit, you could say awareness becomes stronger and more assured and it starts to do stuff almost by itself. So there's a place in which effort, one's effort is personally determined. I choose to do this, I choose to take that, I choose to head this way. I choose to undertake that, even though it may be uncomfortable for me, I choose to do that. And if this is skillful and prudent with careful attention, and you are reaching directly into Dhamma, then there's a place in which the process becomes almost involuntary. One feels oneself drawn, one feels oneself releasing, one feels oneself losing interest in this. Uh, No longer inclined that way, it just happens. You find your heart opening with gladness and compassion and gratitude. There's no way you can do that. you find you're centering in confidence. There's no way you can do that. Well, if you do, it's just fake. But the true, cl- clear, whenever the chitta is becoming clearer, cleared of these obstructions and confusions and being hoodwinked, it gains its own strength and it starts to come through. And then you, you begin to recognize, hey, this thing, this quality, Yeah, which is not self, person, so forth, has a certain beauty and strength to it. I can trust it, and I don't quite know where it's going, but it's going that way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and this is beautiful because then one is really living the sacred. You know, it's, it's not something that's personally created, and yet it's personally experienced. It's experienced in this being. So, so much so that some people say, "Well, you know, you don't really need any effort at all because true, true effort is this quality of the chitta itself, kind of leading the way, and you just open to it." But uh, I think that may be rather. Um, a short way of looking at it it requires effort to a certain extent application placing energy in certain areas and then it also requires just stepping back and letting the letting the ball roll and between the two when you begin to reframe the word effort as uh i've seen it written as persistence which is nice um I see it as very much uh, placing one's energy, one's interest, paying attention to, inclining one's energy and interest in certain directions and just withdrawing it from what's no longer needed or it isn't alive for you anymore. And I would suggest that that's a constant thing to do because we are all growing and changing and the things of 10 years ago may have finished by now. And why not? Not that they were bad, but just that's finished. So this, I would say, is the consummate fulfilling effort. Covers all aspects, the receptive, the active, the directed and the undirected the voluntary and the involuntary its essential quality is it firms and forms the heart in a particular way the overriding quality obviously invigorates and vitalizes the heart so it's no longer uh, just pulled out by this and that it has its own dignity and you can then then it can be applied this is really necessary to to firm ourselves up generally what occurs for people in the circumstantial world, is everything is pulling energy out into often into abstract, uh, abstract, you know, rec- duties and so forth, and and also into the inorganic time, clock time, which goes faster and faster, not into body time, which is more rhythmic. Mm. Body time is breathing in and breathing out. It's a flowing pulse. Mm. It can flow fast or short, but it's of that nature. Uh, clock time is always one thing after another, going forward. So that's that's the circumstantial world, and it, and one's energies are then always pinned on to next week and next year and plan and schedule tomorrow and 2022 and what we're doing next week and then, and then just <laughs> head spinning and then the proliferation of the uh, the conceiving mind can bring up what about him and her and them and what should I do in that case, in this case, in that case, in this case and what would be necessary there and here and what and you're just burnt out without having lifted a finger and this is the kind of stuff that the average person more or less finds himself precipitated into in order to function in this, this social cultural domain the energy is frayed and, and uh, because it gets frayed and dissipated, but the requirements still remain, then one just pushes the willpower through the system, just raw adrenaline push through the through the system. It's a pretty corrosive uh, material, chemical to have constantly pushed through your system. So stuff starts to basically you know, uh, malfunction. People can't sleep at night, get restless, edgy, and attention, and scatty and impatient, become brittle. Energy body becomes brittle or numb. When we're brittle or numb, we get very reactive, we get irritable, snappy, domineering, uh, fearful, tight, metallic reactions to experience no soft ability to receive cushion allow dissolve it's all just bang impact this is this is a this is a presentation of the of the energy body when it's not properly cared for and handled and when it's in, when it's saturated in, in some of these Loosely speaking, toxins. I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of low level toxins, but because you get the drip of it 24 hours a day, it does build up residues. So, right, energy, getting the energy right. And uh, uh, sometimes we do have to do things deliberately just to deliberately unplug and jam. The reactions and refuse the reactions and work against the reactions and our refuge. I would suggest in this is this very body. Yeah, because the mind goes out of control, it gets so formed and built around this these reactive uh, conditioned impulses that. Yeah, it's it's enmeshed, not completely, but plenty enmeshed. And if we have enough wisdom, say so just ah, uh, well, what's happening in my body? This is example of yoni somani sakara, of deep attention. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to understand the root causes of things, but we can retain that that faculty of inquiry to the level of just saying, wait a minute, what's happening in my body? What's happening in my guts? What's happening in my breathing? What's happening in my muscles, my body? Are they, you know, where is my body? <laughs> Do I have one? Can I breathe out, you know? And just that checking, you know, firebreak. You know, the most important aspect of practice is to begin. And it begins with heedfulness, which means pause. What's happening? (laughs) Check the momentum. What's happening? Pause. And then what's happening in your body? Because your body, unlike the Mind cannot conceive, body doesn't conceive, that's not capable of doing so. So it can't create these fascinating webs of concepts that ensnare, it can't do it. So it can't tell you lies. It will tell you numb, stressed, uh broken up um uh sagging Uh, you know something wrong something wrong something wrong then you just start build rebuilding your energy body right energy building energy body by deliberately returning to the body caring for it yeah listening to its pain and its difficulty sympathetically This is an organic, animate creature here. mm, Attending to all of it. So keeping that very wide scan. The soles of the feet up to the crown of the head. The back, the shoulders, the elbows, the fingertips, the nose, the lips. You know, the whole thing. Because it's in the wholeness that the body begins to regain its health. normally under stress what happens is energy, brittle energy will retract you know, energy is not steady or, or or complete, then what it does is it, it retracts into defense mode, so it's shut uh, and you get localized up in your shoulders or your neck or in your head and, it, and the rest of the body kind of disappears into besieged mode and we want to come out of that by softening the boundaries of our felt body and lengthening and deepening all the way through the form. You know, the vertical, the width, the density, the thickness into the space around. You keep cultivating like that. You're coming into the energy body as it unfolds, will begin to unpack these discordant energies. So unfolding the energy body from these cramped positions into something more whole. And that in itself, just holding that form, allows the dissonant cracks and distortions to begin to melt and and unpack they may unpack with a few emotions nestled in them of course mm, very likely and it'd be rather disorienting because we've probably got used to being rather and uh, not very open mm. so right right effort is to Inquire in this caring way, and to recognise there's a certain goal we might say. Definitely, there's a goal, but to the goal being something that's actually much more direct than the various ideas we can have about, you know, meditation or enlightenment or samadhi or so on. Which, yeah, they they have their they have their place, but right now. Are you all here yet? Before you can get going, have, are you all here yet? Is it all unpacked yet? And maybe just in that very coming into fullness of presence, you might recognize that those great aims and ideas are actually not so far away. You are waking. You are becoming more absorbed into your own presence. It's becoming more peaceful. Not because you're trying to be peaceful or concentrated, but because when you come out of the damage, that's how it is. When the body is, bodily energy is unfolded, the mind is happy. When the heart is happy, pleasant, comfortable, it does settle, it is samadhi. No effort need be made apart from to follow the process, trust the process, Linger, inquire, put aside what's not necessary. Be very patient and loving with the stuck places, giving them warm energy. Breathing through. And so, if we're following this particular line of language, you're going to come to something we might say is presence, uh, which is a a, energy, perhaps gives the wrong idea, although it is a subtle body. It's um, made of energy, it doesn't mean it's blazing uh, vigour, it means it's a subtle, suffusive. Difficult to put a boundary around. It's like a light, something of that nature, except it's not visual, <laughs> yeah. and it's present and it's it's supple and it's responsive. If you touch, if you drop something into it, it resonates with that and it absorbs it, or it it has intelligence in it. Mm. It retracts from the evil, doesn't like it, shivers. It feels sympathy, it resonates in this way. When you can walk that through the field of sense contact, noticing, sensing, Our sense contact. It touch that, or thought touches it, or memory touches it. And this way you're able to unpack some of the triggers that that lie in those domains. By which I mean, say, you know, using me walking through the sense fields or walking through the karma fields, that is you, in your presence, the thought arises, something reminds you of, something offensive or difficult or complicated where you'd normally get kind of wrangled up and you notice that you notice the triggering and then you widen and soften you don't follow the trigger the trigger touches and deconstructs and this is an ideal because We want to, in a way, to notice where we're triggered and be able to be there with it and dismantle it. Not from some opinion, just because we've had enough of it. We've just had enough of it. It's not useful. And now you have something that can determine that. So in this quality of presence, there is an innate wisdom. As you move around, you see the world of shapes and forms and bodies and trees. Whether they attract or repel or what they mean to you just sensing if anything is getting triggered there that is not beautiful unworthy mm. perhaps there is the-huh what's that So in this way we begin to dismantle some of these old karmic patterns enough. Now the watchword of practice, awareness, which is again one of those uh, terms that's placed to represent a kind of a very overall background thing which one dwells in, or yeah. Uh, you know, and I would say they're pretty much mirror images of each other. Presence emphasises more perhaps the. The body, or the bodily aspect of this fine material, subtle energetic quality that trembles, so it's, it's like it's the body's energy unwrapped, not no longer tangled up in locomotion or or internal um, muscular activity, clenching, gripping, uh, shivering, shaking, trim, tightening. When all that's unpacked, you have a subtle quality of. Presence when the chitta is unpacked or unwrapped, instead of the complex skeins of thoughts, programs, beliefs, strategies, and so forth, instead of the underpinnings of um, edited emotions, censored uh, desires, and so forth, if that's unwrapped, you come to something like the naked chitta. Which is awareness. You know, it's not mediating through some second language of thought or or um, of you know, that nature. It's just aware, and these two are really sort of symbiotic. Awareness provides a certain coolness and dispassion. Presence provides a certain strength. You're able to receive impact and dissolve it presence and awareness so you know these are probably terms some of this might land or mean things for you in your own experience how do we what do we do? Yeah, to, to facilitate that process of, and I'll call it a peeling off of the layers, sankaras are the layers, the program layers. Uh, what do we do? Well, we're mindful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mindfulness, this third uh, cardinal uh, uh, path factor of the Eightfold Path, Samma samavayama, samasati, Sati. Mindfulness to bear in mind, mm-hmm. uh, and this is actually rather a, a broad and uh, um, uh, many mm, has many uses and many uh, focuses that we can use for mindfulness and you go from the pinpoint mindfulness, you see the microscope, which you can bear a point in mind, and you can also have field mindfulness, which is uh, some alluded to in the suttas by a phrase such as, one is mindful, one bears in mind the meaning of teachings given long ago. So in a way your Dhamma field contains the meanings of the messages and you are mindful. It means you you can bear those in mind. They're there. Actually, this is the more common, uh, in the suttas, the more common reference to mindfulness is something rather broad. And like like a hand that can hold a a, a rather ample uh, treasury of, of qualities that are all potentially there, and then specifically applied for the right effort. So these three factors loop around each other. Though they have them one, two, three like that, really, you know, um, this path is very holistic. So you know, you, you, it's not that one exactly precedes the other, but um, they all blend and support each other. So. Uh, with right mindfulness, uh, complete mindfulness, consummate mindfulness, one remains mindfully aware of right view. There is, Bear in mind, bear in mind, there is the skillful and the unskillful, there is a path, there is that which to be followed and that which not to be followed. Now, bearing that in mind, how do you meet this? Hmm. Path is for unpacking the unbecome, the unconditioned, the ceasing, the elimination, hmm, the release from. This path is aiming at zero. (laughs) Mm. It's aiming at undoing. Bear that in mind. What is it inclines bearing that in mind? What kind of efforts? What kind of uh, programs? What kind of attitudes? What kind of mundane actions? What kind of lifestyle? You know, anything you want to put in that that leads you closer to zero, <laughs> yeah. uh, to to um, little, to loving little, to um, that uh, nakedness. Mm-hmm. Clearly, on a conventional level. Yeah, well, you know, we have stuff, we have clothes, we have possessions and so forth. But inclination, what's the interest in? And specifically, of course, in terms of one's mental hardware, how much do you want to carry around? And your emotional hardware and your memories and programs, how much do you want to keep going? Is it possible that that one would also be something you could lay to rest? Its path is for this, recognizing that in that zero, the unconditioned, is the heart's delight, release, freedom. So you do what will undo. And that doing of what you undo may be something you apply vigor to, tenacity to, tenderheartedness to, patient, bearing with, and this is your, your learning your learning how you're going to flex that quality of effort and energy how you're going to flex it when is it time to step back soften widen witness when is it time to move in and just enough When is it time to hold and bear and stand your ground? My recommendation is that your body will give you the clearest indications of that. This is why I recommend um, this teaching, mindfulness of body, within mindfulness of body, is the path as is said frequently almost you know obsessively one does not touch the deathless without mindfulness of body. The deathless is lost on those who do not cultivate mindfulness of body. All qualities of wisdom gather in mindfulness of body do not let mindfulness of the body be neglected. (laughs) You know, these are pretty much, they're not ambiguous statements. Uh, Within this very body, this fathom-long carcass, as the Buddha puts it in his rather stark way, is the arising of the world and the passing of the world and the path leading beyond. Mm. So let's cultivate Here